Hello and welcome to the Teacher's Cubby podcast featuring author Miranda Mathis. This week we have Art Howard, Assistant Superintendent of Operations at Homedale Public Schools. Welcome to the show, Art. We are glad you accepted our invitation to be part of M Squared Books Teacher's Cubby podcast. Before we begin, let's introduce Miranda Mathis, who has started this podcast for teachers. Hi, Miranda. Hi, Christina. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for asking. Great. Let's get started. I'm going to turn this over to Miranda and return with one question to close us out. Well, welcome, Art. But before I begin, it's a message that I always uh, share my podcast listeners. And Square Books Teachers Cubby podcast is to allow teachers and educators and other professionals to share their professional experience with our audience with hopes it may enlighten and inspire others to apply some of the suggestions shared through this podcast. It's all about providing information and available resources. So let's get started. Briefly tell me a little bit about yourself and one word that, that describes you. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me, Miranda, Christina. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Um, just uh, a little bit about myself. I've been in education now for 29 years. This is my 29th year in education. I started out as a social studies teacher in uh, Willingboro, New Jersey. From there, I uh, moved up to be the social studies department chairman. Shortly after that, I got an opportunity to be the assistant principal at the same building that I taught at. So I was actually the eighth grade um, assistant principal for about three years before I decided to move on um, to the principal position, which I got in Homedale Township. I was the middle school principal. It was a seventh and eighth grade middle school, about 600 kids. I did that for about 14 years uh, until I was moved to the elementary building, which was the pre-K through three building. So I did that for as principal for five years. Currently, I'm serving as the assistant superintendent in Homedale of um, operations. Um, so I've only been in that um, position for a short time. Started that uh, last September and um, is where I currently uh, am doing right now. Outstanding. So with all that being said, um, your path way towards success, I'm sure there were some struggles or some oppositions, but what inspired you to start this journey, inspired you to become a teacher? Actually, my intention was to initially go into counseling, kind of what I do now. I'm also a licensed uh, therapist in New Jersey, so I have part-time uh, counseling practice where I, I do therapy to uh, adults, uh, adolescents, uh, couples. So that was my initial my initial plan. Um, I grew up in uh, Newark, New Jersey, and um, you know, honestly, going to college wasn't really in my uh, forethought. Um, but I knew that education was the only way for me to get out of Newark. So I didn't really care about what position, uh, what degree I was going to get. I just wanted to get out of out of Newark, and um, I knew education was going to be the only way, you know, that I did it. When I got into college, I went to Monmouth University. It was Monmouth College back in back when I started. Now it's called Monmouth University. When I went to to uh, college, my degree was in psychology because, like I said, I wanted to do some kind of counseling, um, working with students in, in that kind of way. But in my junior year, my fraternity um, got involved with the mentoring program in uh, Long Branch, Long Branch Public Schools. It was the Helping Hands Mentoring Program. And I was uh, working one-on-one -on -one with kids in seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth 
and I had some 11th graders that I was mentoring. That was my real first kind of um, time that I was actually inside of a school working with kids in a school. I started student teaching in, in Long Branch. I was doing primarily with the fourth graders, uh, fourth and fifth grade. I was I was doing my student teaching when I, uh, not student teach, substituting. But then when I graduated from Monmouth with my bachelor's, I went back in to uh, right back in to get my master's of arts in uh, teaching. And then two years later, when I when I uh, graduated, then um, I got my uh, first job in Willenboro. So I didn't set out to be a teacher. I really set out to be like a counselor or something like that. But, you know, the, the teaching calling just just hit me, um, you know, when I was uh, doing the substituting and the mentoring in Long Branch. Wow, that's that's awesome. Um, what was your teaching method? You know, there, there are several professions that you um, brought to light. You talked about your, you were a teacher, you were a principal, superintendent. So I want to touch on all three of those professions, but let's begin with teachers. What was your teaching style? Because each teacher has a different way of teaching or method of connecting with students. So how, what did you use to connect with students? And then when I get to the principal, how did you connect with your teachers? <laughs> you know, so, but let's start with the teaching first, being a teacher. Well, when I started, um, when I first started teaching, the student teaching and all that, you know, prepared me for uh, the real life day to day of, of being a teacher. And nowadays it's a lot, it's a lot more uh, stringent to harder, harder to be a teacher nowadays than it was when I started it, you know, back in um, 94. But the one thing that I had, I, I believe I had kind of going for me is that with the kids, I was always really personable. I was pretty much like kind of no nonsense with, with, with my class. I couldn't really mess around and tolerate a lot of misbehavior, you know, because I always knew the importance of, of school and, and why they were here. But besides, uh, you know, besides that, my uh, my personality was really one that was um, like I'm a lot more outgoing as a teacher than I am um, if you met me like in real life. You know, it's <laughs> part comedian, you know, um, part big brother type of thing I was doing. You know, I had no problem like if I had a if like one of my kids were constantly misbehaving, not doing their homework, not listening. I had no problem, you know, going going to their house, knocking on their door and telling them like, yo, something's going on. Like uh, your son, Johnny, he's just not listening to me, you know, and that kind of stuff spread fast. Like people didn't really expect to see their teacher coming to, to their house, knocking on their door, telling them, telling their parents that, you know, they're not, they're misbehaving. And, you know, that kind of spread, you know, through school like wildfire. So they knew like, look, if, if Mr. Howard was was having a problem and I had to go talk to your parents, it ain't on the phone. You know, I'm, I'm going there. I'm having a conversation with your folks and we're going to figure out what's going on with you. So from from there, I didn't really have the uh, discipline problems in school, which is which is why uh, my principal uh, suggested for me to get into administration. It was actually his idea because I never really was thinking about that. But because I had such a, a good handling of the behaviors in my class, um, that's what kind of pushed me into the administrative realm. And it wasn't that I was like excessively hard because like I said, I was pretty much a comedian. Uh, you know, I would crack a joke on them as, as, as quick as anybody else. <laughs> you know? But it was it was more so that they, they kind of got the kind of got the gist that I thought them being there and listening was important. And the fact that there's a certain level of respect that all teachers should get and deserve. And, you know, that was my expectation. So you're, you're in my class, you're going to learn and you're going to listen, you're going to listen and learn. You know, I'm not trying to I'm not going to try to say that 
if you don't get an A, I'm going to call you out. I just want you to try to do your best, do your best at it. And don't sit here and, and cause a disruption that the person next to you is not going to be able to learn. So that, that's the kind of stuff I didn't tolerate. And the kids knew that I cared. So from that, you know, it was pretty much how I was able to, to make it through um, teaching in Willingboro. And what about when you became a principal? How did you connect? How did you continue to connect with your students as well as the teachers? When I moved into being a principal, it was really um, utilizing the same kind of philosophy. I was always really involved in the stuff that the kids were doing. So if they were at a play, I was there at the play with them. Um, if they're playing a sport, I was out there cheering, cheering them along. Um, as they were playing the sport, you know, we always had like different types of events, like um, we call it like the, we call it the battle of the faculties. You'll there's probably video out there of me uh, dancing, you know, because we always had like a dance routine. The teacher talent shows um, anything that I can do to normalize myself really to to the kids um, is what I did. So that's why all the all the students and stuff, they knew me. Like, um, you know, even though I'm in a superintendent seat like now, like if I walk through, which is cute, I walk through the elementary and it's like you're a rock star. And everybody says it like everybody knows uh, Mr. Howard. And it's primarily because I try to keep myself engrossed in, in the in the schools and the culture and the things that the kids are doing. Um, as far as the uh, the staff. I've always had a good relationship with my staff because, you know, I, I, I never really operated under the premise of my title. It's not like me, principal, you, teacher, you listen to what I say. It, it's never really been that way with me. It's always been more of a, a communal type of working together thing that I always did with, you know, with my teachers. It's like, we're one big family. Your success is my success, you know? And I always believe that control is an illusion anyway. Like if Everybody wanted to revolt against me. What I'm going to do? I'm going to stand out there and stop 50 teachers. You know, <laughs> you know, not any kind of control I had came from the fact that they understood that we're in this thing, you know, like together, you know? Yeah, I knew, I know what my title is and my, what my responsibilities are, but I'm not going to always say like, I'm the smartest guy in the room. I, I need your expertise and I need your ability for us to make this machine run. Can't I can't do it by myself, nor am I going to try to take credit for everything that goes on in the building. You know, we have in Homedale, the township is blessed. There's a lot of really great teachers in that in that district. And the success that Homedale has is not because of any one person. It's because of a group effort. It's all of us working together, you know, for a single goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. What can you tell us as far as if there's a, and you probably said this earlier, but maybe you can give a teacher's suggestion if they're struggling with a student who may not be doing well as far as completing their assignments or difficult tasks. Do you have any suggestions that you can give them that they can try maybe tomorrow or this week that may help them out? Because sometimes teachers need a little advice and you're in that leadership position. But like you said, you're team players. So maybe there are things that you can say to them who's listening and it will help them. Well, yeah, you know, like everybody at one point or another has uh, dealt, you know, even even me myself, when I was a teacher, dealt with students who maybe weren't doing the best that they could do. Um, challenging in terms of, you know, could be behavior or, or anything else. You know, everybody has at one point or another encountered that. You know, my suggestion, um, again, is sometimes you can't 
do these types of corrective actions alone. You know, if um, if you have a student in, you know, in your class who maybe is not doing well or not listening, not paying attention. My first uh, line of communication is always with the parent um, to see maybe there's something going on that, you know, I don't know about. Maybe there's something going on at the home that I don't know about. You know, it could be uh, that this particular student is, is definitely going through something. Maybe he's suffered some kind of loss. Maybe he had a, a close relative who passed or, you know, maybe he's dealing with something from a mental health standpoint um, that school is just not where he wants to be for whatever reason. You know, you can't fix any situation until you get enough data to, I mean, like factual data, really, to um, to go in and try to address it in a succinct way. So talking to the talking to the parents, um, getting their aspect of it, um, what you know, what they think is going on, even talking to the student themselves. Sometimes heart to heart is um, what's needed. You know, um, I read a book. Uh, fierce conversations, you know, like some people just aren't good with uh, conflict. They may try to avoid talking with a student or their parents, and they may push it off and like, uh, well, you know, maybe the guidance counselor can help, or maybe this person can help. And maybe they can, maybe you can get some help from the guidance counselor, or you can get some help from uh, the principal, or get some help from another teacher, the teacher that had the student the year, the year before, maybe she knows some things. I mean, those are all good things to do. But sometimes just trying to get this information on your own first goes a long way. Like sometimes just talking to the student and just giving them an opportunity to express themselves. And now maybe they're, maybe that kid is not very expressive. Maybe they don't even know what's going on with them. So then again, you know, you got to utilize the other resources that are around you. Maybe now you need to bring in um, a counselor and maybe you, the counselor, talk to the parents um, together, or maybe you, the parent and the counselor can sit down with the student and you all can get together and have a little powwow to find out what's going on. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants to see that kid succeed, you mm-hmm. know, to see people not succeed and not, or, or fail. You know, that's not really why we're here. We just got to find out a way and a method of making sure that um, all students do succeed and, and you need the the data really in the, in the other support in order to do that. So that would be my suggestion. Try utilizing the resources that are out there. Find out exactly what's going on. Try to get as much information as you can and then, you know, kind of take it from there. You know, it's all about the student and we have to we have to work together because we all were students once and someone looked at us and it's all about success. We want them to have peace in their life and we want them to thrive. So I believe connecting with them as well as their parents like you did is very, very, very good because sometimes parents don't know what's going on. So once you, like you did, you you paid them a visit. What if they didn't know? You know, we don't know what the child is coming home and saying to the parent. So having that one-on-one discussion with the parent is very, very important. Um, is there a way that you were successful with connecting with parents that you can share with our audience? Well, yeah, thankfully, um, the majority of the times, and, and, and I don't want to sit here and say that every time that I, I, I reached out to a parent, it was a, a successful venture. Sometimes it wasn't. A lot of people sometimes don't want to hear that their, their their child is not doing this or not doing that or misbehaving. They just don't want to hear it, nor, or, and they don't want to believe it. But the times that I did it, I, I you know, can honestly say that you just have to have a straight up real conversation. 
Like, again, a lot of people don't like uh, conflict and they don't like giving people bad news. I mean, like my grandma, and this is what my grandmother, one of the things my grandmother used to tell me, she told me a lot of like good stuff. She said, the only thing that you owe people is the truth. If I go to you and I'm giving you the truth about what's happening, that's just it. I'm not trying to say anything to upset um, you or upset your family, but the ultimate goal is for your son, your daughter to be successful in, you know, in my class. I need your help in doing this. This is what I'm seeing. This is what they're doing. This is what they're not doing. Can you give me any kind of insight as to what's going on with them? And a lot of parents, like you said, they didn't really know. They was like, well, I didn't even really know, you know, that he wasn't doing this or that. Like I asked him and he says, everything's fine. Right. But that's what kids do. You know, my daughter's six. You know, and I have, uh, luckily I have a, like a, a really good relationship with her teacher. She'll call me, she'll email, she'll email me or whatever. Like I asked my daughter what's going on. She gets off the bus and she's like, hey, everything's great. Hi, daddy. But I talked to her teacher. It's a whole different thing. <laughs> you know, like Ariana didn't have a, she didn't have a great day today. She did this, she did that. I'm like, this girl ain't going to never tell me, you know, that what she's doing wrong. She'll tell me if she had a good day. She had no problem doing that. But if she has a bad day, she wouldn't say. And I wouldn't know unless I, unless I speak. And keep a relationship with her teacher. And it's all about relationship. You know, the relationship really is everything. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to be able, you could be the brightest dude in the world, but you're not going to be able to teach a kid you don't have a relationship. And that's the primary thing. A lot of kids think that people just don't care about them. Like this is just a job to folks. And although this is this is a this is people's livelihood, you know, this is how they feed their family. But for many, many of us who go into the education realm, you know it's not to be rich. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's pretty much to help help kids and help people uh, succeed and survive. So, look, just be as upfront and as honest as you can be. That's all you can. That's all you owe people. Honesty. All you owe them is the truth. Give them the truth and then look for a solution. You don't have to. Also, you don't have to really beat people down with all the negative stuff either. There's always a positive that you can that you can say about what a kid is doing or or um, how he is in his class. It's got to be something positive. You can't just continuously beat them down with the negative because you don't want you don't want them to be despondent you know what i mean you just got to have a, a realistic good balance and be honest when you're talking to folks well as the superintendent of homedale assistant superintendent assistant superintendent is there something parents could do as well as teachers to prepare their child for a successful academic year well, again, the, the first most important thing is to be an active participant in um, your child's educational career. That means conversing with the teacher, looking at papers, you know, when they come, when they come home, um, if there's like a test that they're not, they didn't do well on, asking questions, you know, maybe even talking to the teacher, asking like, well, my son didn't do good on this test. What can I do to try to help him prepare? It's becoming an active participant in it. You know, you can't sit back idly by and um, some kids are have enough motivation and they can do all types of things on their own. But, you know, for the grand majority of us, me included, you're going to need a little push. So you got to be active in your child's educational career. Well, how can parents support you or their school or Homedale school? How can they what can they do to help support uh, the teachers as well as the administration and other students? Same kind of thing. Be an active participant like. If there's a, a parent meeting, PTA, PSA, whatever you call it, um, go to it. You know, if your school is having an event, you know, go to the event, see what the kids are doing. If there's a play going on, go to the play. All districts have board meetings monthly. Go to a board meeting. Hear, hear what's going on in terms of curriculum and policy. You know, if something comes out, read it. 
read it so you can understand it and not just get information third hand. You just have to be active in your child's uh, educational career. I mean, that's probably the most important thing I could stress. Get involved, go to events so that people know who you are. Talk to the principal when you see them. Talk to your teacher often, send her emails, send her this so that they know. Get to know your guidance counselor. Go to these board meetings, these events that are going on in the community and be visible. Is there something, any suggestions you have for fellow educators, teachers, professionals that you would like to leave with them tonight? I mean, I think the biggest thing is, I think I said it in the beginning, um, being a teacher now is a lot harder than it was when I started. There's a lot more um, requirements. There's more things that teachers um, are expected to do. There's a wide variety of different types of of issues that they have to kind of handle from uh, social, emotional type things with kids, mental health issues that kids may be suffering with. And if you're in an impoverished area, you may have other kinds of things that you're dealing with, you know, um, that kids are are dealing dealing with. So they may not be 100% when they come into school. A lot of a lot of times, you know, educators are beat down by society. So again, it's tough. My thing to them is that there's always a why as to why you got into this. The reason that you decided to go education as opposed as opposed to being like um, a lawyer or something else. You know, there's a reason. There's a why. You always got to try to remember the why as to how and why you got into this and hold on to that belief. So those times when you're feeling like you're not being productive or you're feeling like you can't go on, you can't last, that use that kind of uh, as motivation to help you to keep going on. Because there's always a reason why people got into it, but you got to try to remember it. Well, last thing is, are you affiliated with any organizations, outreach programs that you would like to share with us? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I'm a proud member of, of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Always want to say that. Um, I'm also a board member, an active member in a nonprofit called uh, WAGE, Women's and Girls uh, Education International, which mission is really about nonviolence for uh, women and also uh, extending educational opportunities for, for women as well. You know, it's a, a group that I've uh, been involved with like for the past four or five years. I've been on that board. And um, just an active member as well in my uh, my church. Um, I go to Change Church in uh, Ewing, New Jersey. My pastor is Dr. Darius Daniels. So I um, do a lot of volunteer work, you know, at the church uh, as well. So between those three things, I stay re- in my jobs. I stay relatively busy. Well, I definitely enjoyed having you participate in this podcast and be be my guest. I enjoyed everything you said. It was very insightful and enlightening. I think teachers and parents, as well as students, will get a lot out of hearing this podcast. And I thank you for joining us. I hope to have you again one day. And it was indeed a pleasure to meet and speak with you. So in closing, I just want to say, please be mindful that everything discussed in this podcast are the opinions and suggestions of the guests and shouldn't be taken as the method that works for every student, teacher, or organization. This is solely for my guests point of view or shared experiences with hopes that it can be used as a resource to move forward in your profession. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Art Howard. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Tina, I turn it over to you. Back with what I promised. One question. 
M Squared Books created the Teacher's Cubby to have professionals come together and share information, suggestions, and tips. With that being said, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, well, I have a uh, LinkedIn. Um, you can find me there. Art Howard. I don't know exactly what it says on there, but you can, you can look me up. Uh, it's, it's my counselor's. Um, it's my counselor's LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook as well, and I have a uh, and I have a Twitter. Twitter I know is Howard First. E H I R S T. That's first, you know, fraternity kind of thing. Thank you so much, Miranda and Art, for enlightening us with your conversation. And thank you for listening. We'll have the links to Art's social media and our resources in the episode notes. Teacher's Cubby features new episodes every last Thursday of the month, so be sure to click the follow button. You can find the M Squared Books podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, our website, msquaredbooks.com, and on YouTube at Miranda Mathis. If you desire to be part of our podcast, please email mirandamathis at msquaredbooks.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Until next time, stay well and safe.